Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What I need to know here is here. There isn't anything I need to know about life or death, raising kids, paying taxes, you name it, it's there. And I know exactly what to do with it. So I told you there's two keys. We've already got the first one. Here it is, write it down today. First key to a full life, the Bible is the only true guide for every area of life. If you're looking for a roadmap to a successful life, the Holy Bible is your best bet by far. Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the unmatched value of God's Word. Throughout history, by the testimonies of countless lives, the Bible has been the single most transformational book. The world may throw hundreds of different things in your face to be happy or achieve greatness, but only God's holy scriptures stand the test of time. So what role does the Bible have in your life today? Consider making it the go-to for every decision you make and every path you take. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message entitled, Two Keys to a Full Life. to pay taxes because the government is my authority and they require me to pay taxes. Now that word give means give back. That makes sense to us because every year you get out your statement and you ask this question. People say to you, what do you owe the IRS this year? That's the statement they make. Not, what, you know, you don't get in April 15 go, mm, let's see if I'm going to be generous to IRS this year. I think I'll give them this. No, you, you give them just what you owe. You owe. Okay, so we understand that. It, it, it's just a, it's a normal process as you look at it. We just give it to them. Now, why do you give it to them? Well, there's two reasons there. One, so you don't go to jail. Is that right? Yes, but what's the other reason? What's it say there? Take a look. It says, because of what? Conscience. In your Bible, just write this. It's the right thing to do. See, I don't give it just because... Well, if I don't give it, they'll catch up me in three years and put me away for 20. I give it because, well, that is always a, certainly when we don't do right, there's always consequences. But that, I give it because it's the right thing to do. When you figure your taxes out, we owe them, we owe them, it's the right thing to do. Let's read on. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. Did you know that? The next time the IRS agent come in, just say, hi, servant of God. That'll start it off really interesting. <laughs> Who give their full time to governing. Give, every, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you 
owe, if revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So if you owe taxes, you pay taxes. Is that clear? Okay. Now, let me say this kindly. There are Christians who believe it's wrong to pay taxes. Jesus said, pay your taxes to who? Caesar. Was Caesar in the Roman government godly? Absolutely not. But Jesus said what? Pay them. It's the right thing to do. So how can we come up and go, I have a choice. I'm not going to pay them. No, you're wrong. Totally wrong. So we owe taxes. And every year we sit down and we try to do what? We find as many what? Deductions. First service, somebody said, as many loopholes as we can find. <laughs> no, that's wrong. That, that's wrong. You, as many honest deductions, that's right. I had that person down and laid hands on him at the end of the service over here. We try to correct him. No, a, as a Christian, I owe taxes. So I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to get the deductions that I need to get. And the rest of that, I'm just simply going to pay to the government and be glad for it. You say, well, where did all this come from? You see, when man sinned, God said, I have to have some human authorities. And God said, for our safety and for our order and for our protection, God gave us three human authorities. The family, the church, and our government. Those three are given to us to provide order in life, protection, and safety. So the Bible says to me, I must submit myself to those authorities. Unless a husband or a wife or a boss or a president or a police officer or a pastor elder says for me, do this, and God's word says, don't do this. Then I must go back to who? Very simple, the higher authority. So if the government says to me today, you can no longer ever share your faith in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely, you can't do it. What do I have to do? I have to kindly say to them, you're not my boss in that case. Because the Bible said, be light, be salt, open your mouth, share the gospel, go for it. Now, I'm not going out and pick and do all that jazz. That's a bunch of foolishness. But I'm going to share the word. Now, could that land me and you in trouble. Well, sure, that's what happened in the book of Acts. That's what's happening in China. So understand what this says. So there's two things I want you to write this morning. We're going to do it very quickly. Here we go. Number one, be a lawful citizen. Vieira, you got to be a lawful citizen. That means pay your taxes. What you owe to the IRS. It's what you owe. They're the ones that come up with the percentages. We just do our deal. Bottom line, here's what I owe. Some of you pay quarterly. You just pay quarterly. You, it's what you owe. Second, Jesus said give to Caesar what's Caesar, but Jesus said give to God what's God's. So second, be a godly citizen. In other words, give back to God. Remember the definition of give. Give back to God what you owe. Now here's the question that comes. Well, Pastor Mark, it's easy for me to figure out what I owe the government. They send me this little booklet. It tells me how many people I can subtract and what I can do here and my deductions over here and whatever. I know exactly. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. 
You mean I owe something to God? And if I do, like where's the booklet that tells me how much I owe? Well, number one, yes, you do owe. And number two, here's the booklet. (laughs) Some of you are looking for loopholes. There are none. And I'm going to give you this morning, let me just look at me very kindly. I've been, I've been a Christian since I was five years old. I'm 63. Let me share something. Living is giving and giving is living. If you don't learn that, you'll die a poorer person because of it. You can never outgive God. And if you'll understand the principle I'm going to give you this morning, God's an incredibly generous God. If I give to him, he gives back to me. Now, you don't give to God because you want to be rich. Forget the garbage you hear on TV. Just forget it. It's manipulation. But if you'll understand, and I'm going to just spend like three minutes going through this. You mean, Pastor Mark, I really owe God something? I believe you do. Let's start with the first thing. How much does God own? Well, Psalms tells us how much God owns. It's like a no-brainer also. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So God, number one, owes everything. It's all his. In the beginning, wasn't Mark Balmer. In the beginning was God. Everything I have is his. Now, that's really true for every single person in the world, but they don't understand it. When I turned my life over to Christ, 1 Corinthians 6 says, my life became not my own anymore. My body's not my own. Everything I have, I owe to God. So I just lay my life down for God. That's my responsibility. That's my joy. So not only does God own everything, but number two, he made me a manager of his resources. Now, as that takes place, you have to think about that, how that works. See, I get the privilege to manage my time, my money, my finances, and my gifts. I try to figure out, with God's help, where's the best way I can use the gift, one of the gifts he's given me as pastor teacher. How's the best to do that? And it's not, you know, because sometimes I speak to very small groups. It's not about sizes of people. It's where God wants me to speak. Because it's his word that's powerful. Now, I get the privilege to manage his resources. I get to enjoy his resources. Everything I have is a gift from God. He loves to give good gifts for us to enjoy. But I am going to be held accountable for everything God has given me. Now, here's the problem. There was a, there was a story. A rich young ruler came to Jesus one day, and he said to Jesus, uh, all the stuff I have doesn't give me satisfaction. How do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, well, he just ripped off a bunch of the commandments. And the young, rich, young ruler kind of looked inside. He went, cool, maybe. I kept them all. Well, Jesus went like, you got to be kidding me. Nobody keeps the Ten Commandments. But then he just said, the young man said, I've kept them all. And Jesus said, well, is, he said, anything else I should do? He said, yeah, uh, take all your money, give it to the poor, and come follow me. See, the bottom line is not giving, it's following Jesus. But Listen. You're going to hear it now. Vera, you're going to hear it at the end. Is there one thing that's keeping you from following him? Well, this when the rich young ruler heard this, he said, say what? Give all my money. What Jesus was saying is this. You just told me you keep all the commandments. Well, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Guess what? He loved his money more than God. Who had become his God? His money. So it wasn't about giving the money. It was about taking that one thing that kept him from following Jesus. Well, what did the young man do? The Bible says he walked away, and I think it's very interesting because when he walked away, the Bible says he walked away sad. His money kept him 
from following Jesus. So riches won't ever bring you satisfaction. Stuff doesn't. And, and when you come to Christ, you don't, you, know, you don't give your wallet and you give it to him. And now you just go like, okay, I'm on welfare for Jesus or something like that. <laughs> That's not what this story is about. It was the one thing in this young man's life that he wouldn't give up. Well, if God owns everything and I'm his manager, okay, Balmer, give me the bottom line now. You mean I owe God something? Well, let me give you the line before the bottom line. Romans chapter 12, don't have to turn there, says this. I'm to present my whole body to God. I'm just a gift to him. Whatever he wants to use, he's the boss. He's the authority. And I give it willingly, and it's a living sacrifice. So when it comes to the finances in my life, because when you give your money to the IRS, you give cash. You give a check. What do I do to God? Well, certainly he wants more than just money. He wants all of me. He wants all my time, talents, gifts, whatever. But he does speak about his money. And here you find it in Malachi 3. And this is what I believe. People argue with it. You can argue with it. That's fine. Just do what you think is right. I believe I owe God. Not like this. I owe the IRS. So I owe God. I don't believe that. I believe the biblical of tithing, 10% off the top, is the starting place. So look at Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which is the church where you're getting fed, so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will, God will, pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So what do I owe God? When I become a Christ follower, I believe 10% off the top minimum starts there No-brainer. It's finished. Done. Over with. I think that's exquisitely clear in the Bible. Jesus just said, give what you owe to the government and give what you owe to God. The government tells us how much. This is the starting place to give. Now, I guarantee it'd be a rarity that there is anybody listening to me that doesn't pay their taxes to the government. If so, you won't be listening to me too long. Maybe through our prison ministry, but... (laughs) But what do we find in the church? Well, we find in the church that less than 5 or 6 or 7% of so-called Christ followers tithe. That means more than 90% of the people don't obey God. Well, why doesn't God just put you in the prison? Well, he actually does. Because you're not being blessed like he wants to bless you. Except you're clueless about it. Well, I can't trust God with 10% of my money. Stop. It's not your money. It's his. Well, if I try it, I'll go broke. No, you just call God a liar. He says, try it, put me to the test, and I'll bless you beyond your imagination. So, that's all I'm going to say. Don't have time to get there anymore. I just leave it out in front of you. You want to be blessed or don't want to be blessed? Jesus said... I can't take it away from this. Give to the government what the government's owed and give to God what God's owed. That's not my rule. That's God's. Well, look at verse 22, just like you. If you go back to Matthew 22, when these people heard what Jesus said, he didn't get into a corner. He blew them out of the water. Notice, When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. 
I've been serving God for a long time. I'm amazed how incredible this book is. You know, there isn't a question that needs to be answered on this world. Yes, we do see through a glass darkly. Some things we'll never get. In heaven, we'll know. But what I need to know here is here. There isn't anything I need to know about life or death, raising kids, paying taxes, you name it, it's there. And I know exactly what to do with it. So I told you there's two keys. We've already got the first one. Here it is. Write it down today. First key to a full life. The Bible is the only true guide for every area of life. Every area of it. Pastor Mark, you mean finding a a spouse? Yep. Raising children? Yep. Moving? Can I know the will of God from the Bible? Yes. Absolutely. It's all there. Look at verse 23. It doesn't end. Another group of people, another class of Jewish leaders called the Sadducees come to him. Notice that same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, there's no life after death, they came to him with a question. If you think the Sadducees, which are Sadducees and the Jew and the Pharisees work together as kind of the Jewish leadership, the Sadducees are the liberals. They're way off on the other end. They just kind of almost everything goes. What did they believe? How did they rule their life? Well, look at these things. Number one, they accepted only, out of the 39 books in the Old Testament, they took the first five, they threw away the others. Second, they didn't believe in anything supernatural. Of course, then they couldn't believe in angels or they couldn't believe in the spirit world. Third, because of that, they didn't believe that when you died, it's over with. You bought the farm, it's finished. They didn't believe in life after death. And of course, they couldn't believe in the resurrection. And because they didn't believe in life after death, they certainly didn't believe there was a hell or a heaven. Now, I have a question. These are the religious leaders. Where did they come up with these beliefs? See, I opened today with about five questions for you. Where did you come up with your beliefs? Well, where did they come up with? How how did they go and go, well, we'll take the first five books of the Bible, the rest of them we're not interested in. How in the world did they do that? Well, you're going to see that Jesus uses some interesting words as we go through, and they're going to come up with this ridiculous story that's absolutely impossible. It just is crazy. Let me give you an idea of what they're going to talk about. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, there was something called the Leverite Law. It said this, if a husband died without leaving a male heir, one of the surviving brothers was to marry the widow. The first son of that union was given the name of the dead brother and was considered his child now. This was to prevent extinction of a family line and thereby kept the family inheritance intact. This was the Leverite law. By the time we get to Jesus, that law was no longer even being observed. So they like reach way into the back to something that isn't even happening anymore and they make it way more complicated. Let's begin in verse 24. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. You're going to see how complicated this is going to get. The first one married and died. Since he had no children, he left his first wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. This one wife 
had seven husbands that died. Verse 7, finally, the woman died. So what do we have? We have eight dead people, one wife, seven husbands. Now they say to Jesus, look at verse 28, now at the resurrection, I mean, Dr. Phil couldn't figure this one out. (laughs) At the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven since they were all married to her? Jesus replied, see, what they were hoping is, they they knew this is impossible. There's no resurrection. You couldn't even figure that thing out. Look at verse 29. Jesus replied, you are, circle this, we'll come back to the word, in error. You're in error because you do not put a little one here. Number one, you don't know the scriptures or put a little two in your Bible. Number two, you don't know the power of God. Viera, little two under the power of God. I ask you to circle the word for error. It doesn't mean like, oh, I made a mistake. The word in its original meaning is deception. In other words, you're deceived about the truth. Well, we know where deception comes from. Satan is called the great deceiver. So Jesus says, you're dead wrong. I mean, you have no idea what you're even talking about. You're making up this great story or whatever to try to prove there's no resurrection. You're deceived. And you're deceived in two ways. You're ignorant about the scriptures, about the Bible. How do people get ignorant? How do people get deceived about the Bible? You know, if you took that question, a couple of those questions on that first page that I gave you this morning, and you went to the street today, most people you would ask, you would say, what do you believe about paying taxes? Well, I got to pay taxes. And of course, they would probably bring up the loophole deal or whatever. But I got to pay them because I don't want to go to jail. When you said to them, what do you believe about, well, what do you believe about giving money to God? Well, man, you'd hear a million ideas. What about life after death? Oh, you'd hear a million ideas. Why would you hear a million ideas? Because people don't know the word of God. Now, where should people know the word of God? Well, they certainly should know it where? In a church. So what do we have today? Just like the Sadducees, we have liberal theologians that say, I'll take that verse. I like that one. I don't like that one. And that one definitely doesn't apply. Really? Who made you God? Listen, this is either all the word of God or it's none. Because you and I can't pick and choose. This is not a cafeteria. Well, Pastor Mark, where it says I can't sleep with someone before marriage, that's not modern. No, it's old as the sin of the Old Testament. It's wrong then, it's wrong today. Well, not the way we are. Yes, the way you are. It's no different. Where did the Sadducees go wrong? Today, we learn from Pastor Mark that their failure to believe in the supernatural Jesus resurrection or eternal life set them up for disaster. The Bible is designed to be the central component to every area of one's life. By ignoring what it says and denying its power, you could not only miss out on countless blessings and opportunities in this life, but also eternity with God in heaven. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Who am I? Why am I here? What happens when I die? How do I know I will go to heaven? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will provide answers to all of these questions. Purpose in life is something many are searching for. When God's power gets a hold of someone, it can be a special thing. The key is swallowing pride and allowing Him to enter in, being willing to adjust your plans for His plans. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given